0: So, just for a real quick recap, because, uh, you know, anytime you give me a little bit of extra time to work on a Bible study, we'll always add three or four things, and I did. So, just to get back, to, to get to where we were, let me just give you a real quick recap, and that is that we're, we're studying right now two kingdoms. One of them is the kingdom of God, which is everything. God owns everything. he it's It's all His, but and that's called the kingdom of God. It's all-encompassing, everything. Um, He's the ruler. It's eternal in duration. It's unlimited in scope. That is the kingdom of God. Whenever man sinned in Eden, he gave dominion of the kingdoms of the world, the animal kingdom, the plant kingdom, the kingdom of mankind. When Adam sinned, he turned that authority over to the devil. And when he did, he initiated what, we're, what the Bible calls the kingdom of Satan. And the kingdom of Satan, as we talked about last week, um, when, when man fell in the original sin, he relinquished authority of the earthly kingdoms to the fallen angel Lucifer in the pre-Christ earth. So we're talking here about before Jesus came to the earth and died. So we're talking about that period of time, the Old Testament. We're talking about the Old Testament the, the only people that were moved upon by God were the ones who were under the blood of bulls and goats in the ashes of a heifer. They were the ones. Now, now, we talked about last week that Abraham found a place in God to where God actually made a covenant with him. And when God made a covenant with him, then that separated his, his lineage as unto God. So the Jewish people, uh, the descendants you know, I'm gonna tell you something amazing. Something that always amazes me. Every time I read it, the the descendants of Abraham, which you know, that's Abraham, Isaac, Jacob, that whole line, they're they're separated unto God. Just like God separated the firstborn unto Him, He separated that line of Abraham because of Ab- because of Abraham, and He cut a covenant with him. And so the the people, the Jewish people, are God's people. Now, right now, they're. They're away from Christ, but they're, st- they're still God's people. They're not leaving. I'm going to tell you this. They're not leaving that land. They came back and got that land in 1948, and they're the only nation in the history of mankind that was born in a day. That nation was born in one day, 1948. And they're on their property now, and they're not leaving that ranch. So if anybody thinks that, that, the, that this little deal over there going on right now, if you think that that's fixing to unseat them, You've got another thing coming they ain't going nowhere <laughs> as a matter of fact they may end up expanding that land so uh just and they don't they don't need the United States in their pocket to do it either. I mean they've demonstrated that to us before they don't have to have us over there we i mean we're we're there and i'm and I thank God we're there i do i I want to stand with Israel God blesses the nations that stand with Israel so stand let's stand with Israel but if we decided not to let me tell you something they that, that ain't going to affect nothing. They'll still keep that property. They're not fixing to lose that property. That's theirs. Abraham got that. As a matter of fact, he gave it to him from the, all the way to the Euphrates River. There's only one time they possessed all their land, and that was during the kingdom of David and Solomon. Other than that, they had never possessed everything God had gave them. They started shrinking down until they went down to nothing. But they're, they're back now, and so they're not going nowhere. They are God's people, and um, you need to know that. So, in the Old Testament, we have two kingdoms, the kingdom of God and the kingdom of Satan. Is everybody good with that? Okay, so, uh, we, went to, we went to Luke 11 last week, and we're going to go back. We're going to start there again tonight, Luke chapter 11. So, you've got Matthew, Mark, Luke. So, let's get to Luke chapter 11. And I'm going to read you some scriptures, and I'm probably going to read a lot in the next three or four weeks. Because this is kind of what got my mind going was reading this passage and the Holy Spirit just highlighted these verses. And so we're going to be reading these a lot in the next few weeks. Because for the next few weeks we're going to talk about the kingdom of Satan. I want you to understand some things about that. So if we go to Luke 11 verse 14, it says, And as he was casting out a devil, and it was dumb, and it came to pass when the devil was gone out, the dumb spake, and the people wondered." And some of them said he cast out devils through Beelzebub, the chief of devils. But others tempting him sought of him a sign from heaven. But he, knowing their thoughts, said unto them, Every kingdom divided against itself is brought to desolation, and a house divided against a house falleth. If Satan also be divided against himself, how shall his kingdom stand? Because you say that I cast out devils through Beelzebub. And if I by Beelzebub cast out devils, whom do your sons cast them out? Therefore they shall be your judges." But if I with the finger of God cast out devils, then no, no doubt the kingdom of God is come upon you. When a, strong man, when a strong man armed keep his palace, his goods are in peace. But when a stronger than him come, he will overturn him. He takes from him all of his armor, wherein he trusted and divides his spoils. He that is not with me is against me, and he that gathereth not with me scattereth. When the unclean spirit is gone out of a man, he walks through dry places, sinking rest and finding none. He says, I will return into my house whence I came out. And when he comes, he finds it swept and garnished. Then goeth he and taketh with him seven other spirits more wicked than himself. And they enter in and dwell there. And the last state of that man is worse than the first. So the first thing we're talking about in the kingdom of, of the devil, the kingdom of Satan, is verses 17 through 20 that says that the kingdom of the devil is not divided. It's not divided. It stands and... F- focuses on one thing and that is that, that Beelzebub, that Lucifer, that Satan becomes the god of this world and is worshipped as the god of the earth. That is, that is the focus of it. That's everything he pushes for. If you believe, if you have confidence in what Finest Dakes writes, Finest Dakes in the Dakes Bible, he teaches that the, the seat of Satan is actually Jerusalem. And so Satan, throughout the tribulation and throughout the times after that, he always seeks to reestablish himself back in Jerusalem. So that is the focus of the devil, is to set Satan to where he's worshipped as God and to retake his seat of power in Jerusalem. So last week we talked about some of the things about Satan's kingdom. Number one, his method is to steal, to kill, and to destroy. That's what he does He is not a misunderstood friend. He is your enemy. He has one purpose, and that is to kill, to steal, and to destroy. And if you play with him, that's what will happen to you because that is what he does. Number two, he is the prince of the power of the air. We talked about this last last week, that Satan is the prince of the power of the air, and we talked about the example where Daniel prayed 21 days, and the angel that finally showed up said, I left the first day. But I was withstood by the prince of the power of Persia and I had to call Michael to come and help me so that I could get through the air to answer your prayer. And what we ended with last week is if you're having trouble with your prayer life, then you are in a spiritual battle. The prince of the power of the air is trying to stop your prayer. So keep praying. Keep pushing. Keep, don't, don't say, well, God, don't hear me. I have, I have people say, you know, I heard a preacher one time, he said, the lady came up to him and said, I just don't think God's hearing my, I don't think God hears me when I pray. He said, you don't think God hears you? She said, no, sir. He's just not listening to me at all. He said, then just cuss. Use his name in vain. She said, what? No. He said, why not? She said, well, God would hear me. She said, you think he hears you cuss, but you don't think he hears you pray? It's the prince of the power of air that makes you feel that way. And so when you feel that way, keep pressing, keep pushing. That's spiritual warfare and, and, and. And, and we, we want, we, tonight we worship, we praise. Why do we do that? Because we want the Lord, we want the power of God to control the heavens above this house. When we control the heavens, when we control the heavens, then the Spirit of the Lord can come through here and can, can minister and can touch and can anoint and can empower and can deliver and do all the things that God wants to do in this house tonight. But somebody, we've got to control the heavens. We've got to control the air above us. You've got to have air power Right? I mean, that's, if you go into a battle, that's what you want. You want air superiority. Is that, is that, have you all ever heard that before? If your ground troops are going in, you want them to have air superiority. And so that's what we need. We need, to, we need to defeat the prince of the power of the air. Number three, the devil has the ability to transform himself into an angel of light. Let's look at 2 Corinthians 11. 2 Corinthians 11. Right after 1 Corinthians, right before Galatians, 2 Corinthians, chapter 11, verse 12. Paul says, And what I do, that will I do, that I may cut off occasion from them which desire occasion, that wherein they glory, they may be found even as we. For such are false apostles, deceitful workers, transforming themselves into apostles of Christ. And no marvel for Satan himself is transformed into an angel of light. Therefore it is no great thing if his ministers also are trans, be transformed as the ministers of righteousness whose ends shall be according to their works. Now the devil can do a lot of things, but he can't produce fruit and he can't live right. The devil can do a lot of things, but he can't produce good fruit and he can't live right. So if a minister stands and prophesies over you, if a, if a person prays for you and you're healed, but they seem a little sketchy, they seem, it seems a little weird, or if somebody speaks over you and it just doesn't set exactly right, what they say may be right, but it doesn't sit right, you know what you mean? It kind of troubles you a little bit? Then watch their life. Because if... if You know, there's lots of false religions out there today. There's lots of false religions. And every one of them was started by somebody with good intentions. Every one of them started with somebody that had good intentions, who got down a trail, and the devil showed up as an angel of light and convinced them that they were right, and everybody else was wrong, and they started off... I'm talking about Christian religions here. I'm not talking about Hinduism. I'm talking about Christian religions, or, or religions that claim to be Christians. You know... They, they started off good. They started off with a good thought. But the, the angel of light down there deceived them somewhere and they got off into some kind of weird something. And so now we have lots of false religions in the Christian faith that are not right, that are, that are just as confused as a, as, a, as, a, as a butterfly and a bass drum. They are, they're totally wrong, but they're convinced they're totally right. And it's because an angel of light. And, and, and in order to separate them, all you have to do is look at the fruit they produce and see if they live right because the devil can't do those things. He cannot. He can transform himself into an angel of light, but he can't live right. So let's look at 2 Peter. That's back in the back, right before 1 John. So if we go back here to 2 Peter, right before verse, 1 John, the second chapter, verses 17 through 19 gives us some characteristics of false prophets and when I say prophets, I'm talking about false teachers a lot of our young adults now are convinced that they have to retool their faith that they, they they convinced that they they need to redo what they've been taught and they listen to false teachers on the internet who they accept as right but if you watch those guys If you listen to what they say, every one of them at the end of their podcast, they give you 10 ways that you can donate to their ministry. They Their Venmo's, PayPal's check, money order. I I don't know what all the, the, the alphabet soup there is there. But here's how you can tell. Here's what you use to check. These are wells without water. They're dry. They sound right but there's no water. They're clouds that are carried about with a tempest to to whom the midst of darkness is reserved forever. They speak great swelling words of vanity. They allure through the lusts of the flesh, through much wantonness, those that were clean escape from them who live in error, through much wantonness. Wantonness is things that exceed normal limits, things that exceed the normal limits. That's, that's wantonness. If, if, you preach, if you preach faith to the point that nobody can live it, if you preach faith to the point that nobody can live it, do you know what I'm talking about there? If, if, you, if, if you preach it to the point that nobody can live it, it moves outside the normal limits of what's possible for a human to do, then, then that's not right. The, the, the subject is right. There's certainly faith. Without faith, it's impossible to please God. But if you preach faith to the point that nobody can live it, then that's wantonness, and that's, 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 a, that's not a good teaching. And it's going to cause people to fall back into condemnation and into, and into problems because nobody lives such a charmed life that nothing ever happens to them because they have faith in God. Nobody lives that way. You can't possibly live like that. You're in the world. It doesn't mean you're of the world just because you're in it, but you're in it. And in the world, Jesus tells us we're going to have tribulation. You're going to have troubles. You're going to have trials. It's not always going to come up roses. Sometimes your prayers don't seem like they get answered. But if you preach faith so strong that nobody can possibly live it, then you're, you're setting yourself up for failure. Wantonness, things outside the limit. While they promise them, them liberty, they themselves are servants of corruption, for of whom a man is overcome, the same as he brought into bondage. For if they, after they have escaped the pollutions of the world through the knowledge of the Lord Jesus Christ, they are again entangled with them and overcome, then the latter end is worse with them than the beginning. Did that sound like what Paul said? the latter end is worse than the beginning because then you don't know what you're believing. You're all confused. So the devil can transform himself into an angel of light and that's why God gave us a written word. This is the authority. Don't tell me you had a vision and your vision doesn't line up with this word. I don't care if you can put together 70 scriptures and make it line up. Just because you can put together a bunch of scriptures and make it work doesn't mean it works. I'm telling you. It's got to be true from the table of contents to the maps. And if it's not, then it's not a doctrine, then it's not any good. I, I don't care how many scriptures you can put together. If it, if it doesn't line up with this word, I don't care how strong your vision was. I don't care if Gabriel himself showed up and lifted you up by the hair and carried you to Beaumont and showed you the vision. I don't care because I'm telling you, There's there's going to be some, in the last days, there's going to be people deceived by these kind of guys, and you've got to be careful, because the devil himself will transform himself into an angel of light. And what's his purpose? To kill, to steal, and to destroy. Let's move on. He works through carnal lust to gain control of the soul. Now, your soul is your mind, your will, and your emotions. And he works through those carnal lusts to, to bring us and uh, bring those things under control let's go to 2nd Corinthians so we should have stayed over there we're just going back 2nd Corinthians we're going to go this time to verse 10 and we're going to look at verses 4 and 5 for the weapons of our warfare are not carnal Who fights in the carnal? The kingdom of Satan. He fights through lusts. He fights through impulses. He fights through putting you in situations where those things are accelerated. He fights through injecting thoughts into your mind. He fights through the carnal. So God gave us weapons that says the weapons of our warfare are not carnal, but mighty through God to the pulling down of Strongholds. Where do those strongholds live? Where are they generated? Those strongholds are generated within me. Whether I like it or not, I'm, I'm born in the lineage of Adam. And with that lineage of Adam, I have certain lusts and certain things that come along with that genealogy. And those strongholds are things that live within me. And those strongholds are things that have to be crucified. But God is able to deliver me from those. He is able to deliver me. I don't have to simply not do them. (laughs) Because he's able to deliver me from them. Glory to God. It's not a matter of simply not doing it. It's a matter of overcoming it. By the blood of the lamb and the word of my testimony and loving not my life unto death to the crucifixion of the flesh. Those strongholds are within me and God gave me power to cast them down. He also gave me power to cast down imaginations and every high thing that exalts itself against the knowledge of God. So every thought that the Satan puts in my mind because he works through the carnal, every thought that Satan puts in my mind, I don't have to sit there and dwell on it. Every time I feel like I'm inferior, every time I feel like I'm depressed, every time I feel like something's going on in my head, every time that goes on, I don't have to sit there and wallow in it. I can be more than a conqueror because I'm not going to battle in the carnal. I'm going to battle in the spiritual. Because the devil fights in the carnal and you get in there and wallow on the ground with him, you're going to lose. He's stronger than me. But he's not stronger than the God that lives in me. You got me? So, let's keep going here. Bringing into captivity every thought unto the obedience of Christ, and having a readiness to revenge all disobedience when when my obedience is fulfilled. So the devil works through the carnal, through through lusts, through through injecting thoughts. He works through the carnal, but he can't win in the spiritual. Number number E. He is a liar. Say that with me. He is a liar. He's still a liar. He can't talk the truth. There's no truth in him. He is a murderer. Say that with me. He is a murderer. And he's a murderer without remorse. He doesn't care that it kills your children. He doesn't care that it rips your family apart. He doesn't care that it destroys everything you've built. He doesn't care. He has no remorse. He has no conscience. He's totally devoid of any... any any sense of, of responsibility? He has, he has no remorse. Let's look at uh, John 844. You're going to know this passage. Like I said, I'm, I, uh, I couldn't really find a, a good outline of somebody so I, j- I just wrote down everything that I could think of um, that seemed to me to be a part of the kingdom of the devil, and this was one of them. John 844. Jesus says this of the devil. Um, In 844, he tells the the Pharisees that are arguing with him, he says, You are of your father the devil. The lusts of your father you will do. That's those strongholds. The lusts of your father you will do. He was a murderer from the beginning and abode not in the truth because there's no truth in him. When he speaks a lie, he speaks of his own, for he is a liar and the father of it. He is a liar. Now let me tell you something about a lie told you this before, but it's still true. Any good lie is about 70% true. You can't tell a good lie unless a lie has a lot of truth in it. He told told Jesus, he says, the scripture says, cast yourself down and your angels will bear you up lest you dash your foot against the stone. But he he didn't quote all that scripture. He just quoted part of it. He quoted the part of it that fit what he was lying about. If you look that scripture up, he didn't quote the whole thing. And that's what he'll do to you. He'll just quote bits and pieces. He'll just tell you parts. But he's a liar. He's still a liar, and he's a murderer, and he's still a murderer. And that's part of his kingdom. Number F. He seeks to destroy those weak in the faith. 1 Peter 5.8. I did some study on this today, and this was so much fun. I really... If we go to 1 Peter... I should just put a tab there because you keep going back and forth between those two books but 1 Peter 5.8 this is a scripture you know too he actively seeks to destroy those weak in the faith 1 Peter 5.8 says this be sober be vigilant because your adversary the devil as a roaring lion walketh about seeking whom he may devour so if you look on your sheet you'll find out that, that that word roaring means this. used especially with the cries of wild beasts when ravenous with hunger. Ravenous with hunger. So he's not just passively looking. He is actively looking. He is, he is actively searching to find people who are weak in the faith, who have thoughts about going back out into the world, who have, who have made moves to to walk away from church who have been offended, who has, who has been some kind of difficulty. Maybe God didn't answer your prayer the way you thought it should have been answered and, 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 and now you're a little bit upset about it. He, 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 he hears those things. He sees those things. I mean, but not when I'm talking about the devil, I'm talking about the kingdom of the devil. I'm not talking about the devil himself, but, but the devil has one-third of all the angels that were in heaven, however many that is, and that kingdom... Knows what's going on and whenever whenever you're upset or whenever you have some doubts or whenever you feel like that God's failed you or whenever you feel like the church has failed you or whenever you're ready to walk away from it all or whenever you just had enough that roaring lion finds you and he's looking for those that have been cut out of the herd he's looking for those who are lagging behind He's looking for those who aren't sure that this is what they want to do. And when he finds those, he further cuts them out of the herd because he's a liar and he's a murderer. So number one, he goes about as a roaring lion, a lion who is looking, ravenous with hunger, wild beast looking for those that are weak, looking for those that are, that are upset, looking for those that are having trouble, looking for those that have faltered and fallen. He's looking for those to attempt to cut them out of the herd and destroy them. He goes on to say the word devour, looking for those he may devour, that word literally means to drink down or to bring utter destruction. So we go back to the kill, steal, and the destroy. So uh, the pulpit commentary had it really good. It said the words express the restless energy of the wicked one. He cannot touch those kept by the power of God, but he eagerly looks for any lost sheep that may have wandered from the fold. He roars in the craving of his heart for prey. So the devil is actively seeking people who are in the kingdom of God, who have become discouraged, who have become disenamored. You know what I mean by that? Just not sure. Not sure they want to keep serving God, who have been who have gone into depression, who have gone into frustration, who have been offended, who have, who have maybe just decided that it's just not worth it anymore. I mean, every, some people get to the point that they say, you know, it's just isn't just worth it. It's just too much of a struggle. I'm, I'm not interested in that anymore. And when they do, that devil roars, and he's seeking those, seeking whom he may devour. That's part of the kingdom of, the, of Satan. Let me pause here for just a minute. Does anybody have any questions or comments? Uh. Uh-huh. I told my daughter I'd helped her
1: move from uh, up to uh, Cleveland, Ohio. And I told her I said, you know, I got to see your new house. Uh I accomplished everything, I planted my younger brother, I watched my oldest grandson get married. Uh <coughs> a couple days apart, that'll tear your heart out. Yeah. that I can be there for some Wednesday night service. And I got to traveling at night and my eyes don't always see everything at night. And I went through Memphis, Tennessee at midnight and I missed the turn. And you know, I had my phone plugged in and on the dash and stuff and I missed the turn. Uh, the road split down. and I took the wrong when you take the wrong turn you take the next exit and the phone gets you right back on it when the phone informed me that there was no way back. Oh, no. (laughs) And it all but talked to me. It shocked me to no end. And it says, you're going to go through the back highways of Mississippi and Louisiana. And the only thing I can... church Wednesday and I tell you what I turn the lights down on my dash, I love to do that and see how fast I can go and I don't do that when there's other traffic around but on these back roads it's amazing how you can do 90 at a 50 mile an hour (laughs) (laughs) I've never had I've never got around when I came through. But I tell you that if I hadn't done that, I wouldn't have got to be here Wednesday night. And the first thing to give me a positive attitude was when Pastor came up. No, you know what? At that moment I needed that. I needed that badly because the enemy was really fighting me bad to to
0: try to keep me from making it back. Amen. Amen. We do. Amen. <laughs> and that's the way the enemy works. And his goal is to steal and kill and destroy. Cut you out of the herd. Once he gets you out of the herd, then he can start piling on. And eventually, if you, if you do, anyway, that's how he works. Anybody else? Yeah? That's right. You know, I always thought, you know,
1: for years and years, all he had was uh, a campfire, a barbecue pit,
0: and a beer can. He kept he held us hostage. <laughs> <laughs> that's, all <it> <laughs> that's all it took. That's all right.
1: it took. That's all it
0: took, Lord, to, to that place. And that's right. We're, now we're saved. Now he's got a different set of That's right. right.
1: we do no.
0: right we have to because once you get on the outside I'm just going to tell you from from what from, from watching church people from for at least 60 years of my life once you get on the outside it's not easy to come back in. You can even come back to church. But I'm going to tell you what happens. If you get on the outside and you come back for a period of time and you come back to church, what you're going to find is that you come back in expecting to be where you left. But when you come back in, you're not at that point. So you come in and you try to feel the Lord, you try to experience God, you you repent, you do whatever you do, and you walk out of here and the first thing that goes in your head is well it's just not the same it's just not the same and you have to overcome that you have to keep coming you have to keep pushing you have to keep until God breaks those things that you've let get back on you again till he breaks through that again because who's the prince of the power of the air you've got to wait till God gives you the strength to break through those things again so that you can once again be in that position and he will but you've got to overcome these carnal battles in order to get there because the devil has got you and he's rag- shaking you like a rag doll and unless you, unless you get back to Christ he'll eventually destroy you and it's, it's a struggle it's not, it, people, I've, I know people think that they can go out and just live for the devil for a little while and just come back and it'll be good well, I tell you this, I've watched it over and over and over and it's a rarity. There are people that do and I praise God for them. But it's it's not easy. So, here we go. Number number G. The devil in his kingdom stops the hearing of God's word. Let's look at Matthew. Let me see, is there, is there any first or second Peter's in here? No, okay. So, we'll just go into Matthew. Let's go back to the beginning of the New Testament, Matthew chapter 13. Now, in case you want to really sound smart, you can tell people, oh yeah, I'm familiar with the parable chapter, because that's what chapter 13 is called. So, you know, if you say those kind of things, people think, "Ooh, he really knows the word of the Lord. Well, Matthew 13 is the parable chapter, so it's just full of parables. So Matthew 13, the parable chapter, we're going to look at the parable of the sower. And in verse thir- chapter 13, verse 19, Jesus says these words. Verse 18, he says, Hear ye therefore the parable of the sower. When anyone hears the word of the kingdom and understands it not, then comes the wicked one and catches away that which was sown in his heart, that is he that receives a seed by the wayside. So whenever Sunday morning, whenever we're preaching and God's dealing with men's hearts and God's dealing with their lives and people are making decisions, the devil is active looking for those who didn't respond, who didn't make a move, who didn't, who didn't, who felt the conviction power of the Holy Spirit, but, but refused to make a move. And when they walk out the door, because we control the air in here, when he walk when that person walks out the door, then he seeks to steal that seed that was planted in their heart. We have praise and worship. To plow the ground so that the preaching of the word can put seed in that freshly plowed ground. That's the purpose of what we do. And whenever that ground is hard and you put seed out there and the response is not made, then when that person goes out the door, the devil works to steal that seed from that hard ground. He he seeks to stop the preaching of God's word. Uh, Let's go to 1 Thessalonians, which we're going to just kind of head back through the back now. So just... Going back there to the Thessalonians, as all the T's are together. So Galatians, Ephesians, Philippians, Colossians, 1 and 2 Thessalonians, 1 and 2 Timothy. We're going to go to 1 Thessalonians chapter 2, verse 18. Are you getting there? 1 Thessalonians 2, 18. This is the words of Paul. Paul told the Thessalonians, Wherefore I would have come unto you, even I, Paul, once and again... But Satan hindered me, hindered us, but his party. But Satan hindered us. He didn't want the message to be preached in Thessalonica, and so he hindered Paul and his team so that they couldn't get there at the time they wanted to get there. He hindered them. We go on here to 1 Timothy. Just two books over. 1 Timothy chapter 4. Satan hindered Paul from being able to preach the gospel. 1 Timothy chapter 4, verses 1 and 2. Now the Spirit speaketh expressly, that in the latter times some shall depart from the faith, giving heed to seducing spirits and doctrines of devils. That's that angel of light that shows up with a doctrine that's actually a doctrine of the devil. But he convinces them it's a doctrine of God, speaking lies and hypocrisy, having their conscience seared with a hot iron. He works to, he works to stop the preaching of God's word and to corrupt it, to change it, to, to get it to where it's it's not what God is saying. And and we're gonna look at we're gonna look at an example of that in Acts. So you have to go back to the front. Am I, am I going too fast? Are y'all with me? Acts chapter 16. We're looking at an example. We're looking at an example of, of people that are speaking the lies in hypocrisy, having their conscience seared with a hot iron. We're looking about how the devil tries to stop the preaching of God's word. So, this is the example we're looking at. It's in Acts 16 16. Are you with me? I don't want to go too fast here. Acts 16 says this. This is Paul. He's in, uh, I think he's in Philippi. Yeah, he's in Philippi. And it came to pass that as we went to prayer, a certain damsel possessed with the spirit of divination. Now, does anybody's Bible say something besides divination? Does anybody's Bible say Python or Pytheon? Is it written over there in a column somewhere? My, mine has it in the in the notes on the side. That that word divination is... Um, is a specific type of divination. It's, it's, it's of the, the temple of Apollo. And they had a sect of priests and priestesses that were called Python or Pythion. And that is part of the name of Apollo. He supposedly killed a big snake that one of the other gods sent to kill him when he was born, and you know, that Roman mythology. So Pythion is a specific sect of the, of the god Apollo are y'all with me python is a specific sect that's worshiped under the god apollo which was part of greek mythology or i think this is roman mythology so so she was possessed with a, a spirit of divination a particular spirit of python um which brought her masters much gain by soothsaying. saying, The same followed Paul in us, and cried, saying, These men are servants of the Most High God, which show us the way of salvation. And this did she for many days. But Paul, being grieved, turned and said to the Spirit, I command thee in the name of Jesus Christ to come out of her. And he came out that same hour. So, if you read your sheet here, this is how, this is how they know what was going on. It says, The priest or priestess of Apollo, divination, python, one of the names of the god Apollo, pretended to be inspired, probably were inspired, obviously, by a demonic force. They were inspired. When they did that, they became violently agitated during periods of inspirations, and they gave responses to requires as regarded as the oracles of the god Apollo. So she would go into a fit. Um, One of the writers said that the fit appeared to be like epilepsy. So she goes into a trance, She goes into a fit and she begins screaming these oracles and people considered her to be anointed by the God Apollo. So Jesus told the devils not to talk about him. You don't tell people I'm the son of God because you don't want the devil advertising for you. Because if you do that, then it looks like you're under the power of the kingdom of the devil, right? Paul, after a few days, got tired of this woman Speaking for them, she was saying good things. These are the children, these are the, they show us the way of salvation. But she was saying it, and everybody thought that it was under the power of Apollo, a false god, an idol. And Paul finally stopped her. And that's what the devil tried to do to stop the testimonies of Paul in this particular place. Is He, he, he got one of his people to go into their trance, their demonic trance, And began speaking words that were true, but it appeared that it was done through Apollo and not through Jesus Christ. And that's a trick of the devil to try to make your witness look like it's something of a a false God or a false religion or a false doctrine to discount the power that's in you, which is the power of the Holy Spirit. That is a trick. In the kingdom of the devil I added two And now I'm too short And it's 830 I gotta quit um, So next week we'll end here And then we'll <laughs> We'll talk about the next one <laughs> There's four of them in that passage I read you This is the first one So we got three more to go So um, don't get weary and well doing For we shall reap if you faint not <laughs> we got two more to talk about in the kingdom of, of Satan. Remember, he's not divided; he is focused on what he's doing, and his goal is to kill, to steal, and destroy. And these are methods that he uses within his kingdom to accomplish his work. Stand with me, if you would. I hope y'all are getting. Out. I hope you're enjoying this. I hope you're under. I, I, I've really. I, I. I didn't. I didn't think I would. I, I hesitated to teach this because I didn't want to spend Wednesday night Bible time talking about the devil but the the more I talk to people about it the more everybody kind of said well I'd be interested in hearing that so yes sir can I say something? you can Brother, I really appreciate this I think our church needs it. because you're opening our eyes to what, what we need to watch for yeah Yes, sir. Well, oh, good. Thank you for thank you for that, Brother Foster. Amen. Amen. All right. So next week we'll talk about a fun one that he loves to sow discord in the church, and then the next one is also fun, and that is demonic oppression and demonic possession. We're gonna talk about those two. So we may not get past that next week, <laughs> or we might. So. Heavenly Father, thank you, Lord God, for wisdom. Thank you, Lord God, for this congregation, Lord, that's anxious to hear. Father God, what you have revealed in your word, O God, help us, O God, to make your word a lamp unto our feet and a light unto our path. Lead us and guide us and direct us, O God, that we may miss all the tricks and all the wiles of the devil, Lord God, that we may come forth a glorious church without spot or wrinkle, washed in the blood of the lamb, Lord God. Father God, that we would all, Lord God, everyone, Lord God, that calls Oak Grove home, Lord God, that we would all stand around your throne, Lord God, on that day, Father, proclaiming the great works of the Lord that you have done in this church family, Lord. We give you praise for tonight in glory and honor. In Jesus' name and for your glory, amen. amen. God bless you. Have a great week. Amen.